This audio session is taken from the Shofar Bible School first year course. You can register for the full Bible School course by visiting our Shofar online store at www.shofaronlinestore.org. The topic for this session is, What is a Covenant? It is part of Module 6, Covenant. Welcome back to Bible School. Uh, really trust that you've been enjoying this journey with us. Up until now, we've been looking at understanding God. Um, we've been looking at the role of the Word and the Bible in our lives. We've looked at the Trinity and the three persons of the Trinity in more detail. Our shift and focus goes to us as human beings uh, now for these sessions. As we try to understand both ourselves, our relationships, and especially our relationship with God. We know that connection is of the utmost importance to all of us. But what is the nature of this connection? Today we'll look at covenant and knowing that this is the foundation of the connection and the relationship we have with God. And we'll see how beautifully that plays out in all of the other relationships of our lives. Now the word gives us a basis, a foundation, so to speak, um, and that is called covenant. It is the nature and the basis of the relationship with God, and that impacts all of our relationships in, in life. Uh, we might ask ourselves, well, why is this relevant to me in this day and age? Well, very simply, there's many relationships in your life. You've got a spouse, maybe. You're trusting the Lord for a spouse. Friends, family, colleagues, your neighbor, etc. And each one of these relationships carries a connection. There's certain rules, if I might say, um, that guide us in these relationships. Unfortunately, after the fall and after the sin entered the world, um, as we read in, in Genesis, things have, have gone a bit south when it comes to connections and relationships. And so we are eager to know, Lord, how do we do this? And see what the word says to us so that we don't confuse um, these relationships with, with one another. Now in real life, we said that relationship and connection is important. And it all boils down to one fundamental thing and that is the word trust. Because of sin entering the world, trust is unfortunately uh, always an issue in relationships. Can I trust God? Can I trust a friend? Can I trust a brother? And can I trust the people that I, I walk a road with? And so this trust is something that uh, we're going to look at. And it's a fundamental component uh, to, to all relationships. And in the, the case of covenant, trust is, is such an important thing. And we're going to see how God gives us covenant to show us that we can trust him, even though we might not be trusted at all. You see, with trust is there's, in, often in, in relationships, there's a bit of a discrepancy between what, person say, what a person says um, and what they do. There's sometimes even an inequality or an unequal relationship, meaning that somebody will do all the giving and somebody will do all the taking. It's a one-sided affair. Nobody wants to be in a, a romance, a biblical romance, a friendship, or even in a work environment where you always give and never receive back. You see, 
The more trust there is in any relationship, the more we might open up. The more trust there is, the more authentic the connection will be. The more trust there is, I would say, the better the intimacy. And so uh, we need to make sure that uh, we understand this connection with God because of the fallenness and the sinfulness in this world. We need to understand covenant and see how it's a beautiful picture how the Lord said, this is the set of rules. This is the way in which I want to relate to you. This is the foundation that I give for our relationship so that you can trust me. Even though, and we'll open up this shortly, you might not be trustworthy yourself. Now we know by now that God is holy, perfect, just. He's not a man that he shall lie. He will do what he said. And unfortunately, in many relationships, you have listened and seen. Often people talk and not act accordingly. And so we've been, all have been hurt in relationships. Coming back to, to the thing with, with the Lord is that, would the Lord then leave us to our own devices? Or will he help us to do relationship with him and relationship with others? Even though trust and connection might be such a difficult thing for us. The answer obviously is that God gave us covenant. God is covenantal. Maybe you can remember that. It's very simple. God is covenantal. And he relates to us in a covenantal way. The example firstly, and we'll look at this a bit later, is Abram. Now, Abram, like all of us, at some stage in our life, was in need. He was in great want. He needed God. He needed a way out. He needed help. He needed sons and daughters. He didn't have children. He didn't have a place to stay. He didn't have property of his own. And he had no legacy to leave behind. So God saw this need. There was a relational element, obviously. There was a connection. And God then, through covenant, came to show him what he will do in his life. God came with a promise. Not only one, but a couple. And through covenant, God promised him to speak into those needs, those wants, those yearnings of Abram's heart. And it's really beautiful. You see, God then came and gave him these promises of children, of land or property, and of a legacy to be left behind. And by the way, we are part of that legacy, for Abram was the father of faith. God kept his word. But what God did is he God bound himself to Abram in covenant, saying, you can trust me. And even in that, we see that Abram might have faltered. He, he might have struggled to, to believe that God will truly do that. There's two quotes that we're quickly going to look at that I believe helps us in understanding this a bit better and seeing the journey that Abram was on. A covenant is a legally binding agreement between two parties. That we know by now. It is often solemnized or ratified, kicked off if I may say so, by an oath or other means, and usually places demands on one or both parties. Covenants played a major role in the ancient Near East, which made them a useful way for God to relate to his people and demonstrate his commitment to them. Remember these two words, commitment and connection. God's covenant with Israel is the primary concept used to describe his relationship with his people. In simple terms, covenant is there to describe the way in which God interacts. I want to say contract, 
uh, for the lack of a better term, with his people. But we'll see now it's not cold. It's a really beautiful and warm truth of the way in which God relates to us. And then the second quote, God's very existence is covenantal. God's very existence is covenantal. Think about that. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yeah, it makes sense, live in unceasing devotion to each other, reaching outward beyond the Godhead to create a community of creatures serving as a giant analogy of the Godhead relationship. Now, what does that mean? That just simply means what they have, they want to give to us. The beauty, the unity, the connection and intimacy that they have, they want to give to mankind. Is that not beautiful? Created in the image of the triune God, we are by nature outgoing, interdependent relationship establishers, finding ourselves in the other and not just in ourselves. Now central to the description of, of relationship of God in the word is a covenant. And we'll look back to the, to the Near East and see where did this come from? Very simply, if you had contracted with a blood relative of yours, in other words, a family member, it was much easier to, remember, we want trust, was much easier to trust because it's family. Family kind of work things out. Yet, if you wanted to contract, if you wanted to enter an agreement with somebody else in that time, you needed a covenant because you wanted to know, can I trust them? Today, obviously, we don't have that many covenants. Um, we'll look at one very good example shortly. Why? Because we've got external mechanisms, a judiciary, a um, court system, that will help us to control people and parties to adhere to the terms of their agreements. Very simply, we've got outside forces that will enforce you and force you to keep to your agreement. It just shows again the sinfulness of man. I worked as a commercial lawyer uh, for a number of years and, and I needed to obviously draft contracts for my clients and make sure that they will not be cheated out of their money, that the other side and the other party will literally give what they have promised and what they have signed for. You did not start off from the offset that you can trust the other party. Because of the brokenness of this world and the sinfulness of man, we cannot in flesh be trusted without the grace of God, without Christ Jesus. And so I constantly, I had to think hard and work out smart ways to make sure that my client will be safe and whatever belongs to them are safe for the future. Coming back to covenant, covenant is a great picture for us of where the Lord says, look here, you do not need external mechanisms to come and enforce this thing. You can trust me. And I show this to you by entering into covenant. And we are just unfolding what that means uh, and why we can trust God in that. And then just coming back to uh, contracting and agreements in the Near East way back in the day, why they, they had covenants. Very simply because people did not trust each other. And when entering into a covenant, it was really and honestly a very serious matter. It was so serious that life had to be paid for it. Sacrifice had to be made for it. And blood had to flow for it. And so unfortunately, an animal would have to perish then and be sacrificed, cut in half often, and the blood will flow, saying that, look here, I bind myself to you in agreement. I promise to do this. 
And what has happened to this offering, what has happened to this sacrifice or to this animal can happen to me if I do not keep my word. So it was a very serious matter to keep covenant. And so remember in this context, this is what we see in the word. When we read about covenant and what God says, this is exactly what he's thinking. I'm really serious about keeping my word. I'm so serious that I bind myself. I bind my life and we'll see in Jesus, I bind my blood to this agreement. You can trust me. It is so beautiful. Trust, as we said, is a very serious matter. And in covenant, it's also a life or death type of relationship. We say to one another that we don't hear about covenants these, these days quite often. There's not many covenants in the public sphere because we've got contracting that is enforced by court systems and, and a legal system. Because, unfortunately, people cannot in and of themselves be trusted. But there is one example of covenant which we all hold dear, and that is the one of marriage. Till death do us part. You see there, trust is so important. That is why I believe biblical marriage is a covenantal agreement. It's a covenantal arrangement because we want to trust each other. Why? Trust is so important because it shows commitment. And it establishes, what? A safe environment for a couple to flourish. It establishes a safe environment where children can flourish. As it were, it is a little civilization in and of itself. Unfortunately, Pat Conroy says the following, each divorce is the death of a small civilization. So we know marriage is a covenant because it's really serious. And we know if it works, it's beautiful, life-giving, and it is for life. But if it doesn't work, it's heart-wrenching and comes at a very, very big cost to many people. And as he says, almost like a death of a small civilization. So when we say, I do, we need to be careful. We're not just entering into an, a simple agreement. We're not just simply renting a home or buying a packet of chips. We're entering into covenant. And we're going to look at the three elements of covenant shortly, which makes it all to more beautiful, but all to more serious, if you look at it biblically. Now, marriage has three elements. Firstly, the promises of the covenant, the vows. Very beautifully said by the couple as they have um, light or stars in their eyes. They make these beautiful vows to one another, these promises of this is what I will do. Then in the covenant of marriage, there's the sacrifice, the blood sacrifice of the covenant, which is when a couple for the first time in marriage has sexual intercourse. That is where it is initiated and also sustained covenantally. And then lastly, the sign of the covenant for marriage is the ring. A beautiful sign to other people that the exclusivity of this covenant is something sacred to us and to the Lord and a place of safety and stability. Now marriage is maybe then also unfortunately a good example to us for often people will in the context of trust wonder am i marrying the right person or should i just keep on dating covenant again i believe opens up the true heart of god for us because of the miserable failings and because of so many divorces out there we see that we need the lord to help us in this regard. And it is not just something to flippantly do, 
but it's a very serious matter to enter into covenant. We're going to look at a passage of scripture now out of Exodus 20, verses 1 to 17. Please read with me as we unpack it thereafter. Take 10 minutes to reflect on and discuss this session's key Bible passage together with others in your class. If you are watching on your own, take a few minutes to reflect on the key Bible passage by yourself. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but shown steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commands. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath, and it is to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, always male servant, always female servant, always ox, always donkey, or anything that is your neighbor. Now we all know the Ten Commandments. And we all know that it's one of the best known passages in the word and sometimes maybe wrongly so just seen as an ethical code or a moral code to live by. Uh, nice to do type of thing. But if we in the context of what we've said today look at covenant we realize well here's covenantal terms. Here's terms of agreement given by the Lord to his people saying that this is what I've done for you, but this is what I expect you to do with me. Please note I say with me and not for me because I believe that is what the Lord in and through Christ and the Holy Spirit did for us. He comes and he does it with us. Even as we look at covenant, you see that so beautifully. Now again, the Ten Commandments here speaks of what we would have seen in the Near East, a monarch or a king and his people saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. But now covenantally speaking, I need you to do the following. And then he lists those things, which we can say is morally binding uh, and wise to do for us as humans if we want to flourish. We see then it says in the word, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. 
For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation, and those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now Yahweh, God, is in covenant here with Israel, and he expects, expects covenantal obedience or action from them. Now, we looked at covenant, modern-day covenant and marriage, and we also see here that God is jealous. You often see that a husband might be a bit jealous. Now, jealous per se is not a beautiful fruit, but in a godly way, with the fear of the Lord in both cases, I believe it's a good sobering thing within the context of covenant. Why am I saying this? Because the exclusivity of covenant, both for God and Israel, the exclusivity of covenant for a husband and his wife, Breeds what? What did we say is that key word? Trust. A place of safety. In a rock hard, dark world, here's a place of trust. Here's a place of safety. Here's a covenantal place where you can flourish. Where you'll have your best chance in succeeding. Here it is. That is why I believe a godly husband has a godly jealousy. And parallel to that, God, through the Ten Commandments and, and the Covenant, shows us that He is a jealous God. Have no other gods beside me. Not to rule and reign per se, because that He may, but because He loves us and He knows that we need that place of safety to flourish and to have that stability to grow. Now, in conclusion, in this session, God is clearly a covenantal God who loves us and walks a road with us and has a relationship with us in a covenantal way. We can trust God. We're going to unpack trust even more in the two sessions to come. Covenant is sacred for the Lord and sacred for His relationships and likewise need to be for us. Let's quickly pray. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the grace of covenant. Thank you, Father God, that the word shines light upon our hearts and thought life to teach us, Lord. Lord, to show us and to lead us in your ways. Thank you, Lord, that as we've seen contracting and agreements in this world, which is often cold-hearted and hard, thank you that covenant is warm, loving, and sacrificial from your heart. Thank you that you show us that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Take 15 minutes to reflect on and discuss the following points together with others in the class. If you are watching on your own, take a few minutes to reflect on the points by yourself. You can find the discussion points in your Bible school handbook. Look out for the Living the Word sections in each session.